Hello, welcome to the Modern Enterprise Podcast. This is a podcast tailored for industry business leaders, IT managers, operations and developers. I am Krish Subramanian, currently Director of OpenShift Strategy at Red Hat. Prior to joining Red Hat, I founded a research organization called Rishi.Research that focused on services-oriented world. In this podcast, we will talk about modern trends reshaping the IT landscape that falls in line with the modern enterprise framework I have been advocating in the industry. For more information on modern enterprise framework, visit my blog at http colon slash slash allthingsplatforms.com. Even though this podcast is vendor neutral, I want to take this occasion to thank Red Hat OpenShift for paying my bills and let me advocate the modern industry trends as I see it as a long-term industry observer. OpenShift is Red Hat's platform as a service, helping organization accelerate innovation and embrace DevOps. Please subscribe to this podcast at http colon slash slash soundcloud.com slash modern enterprise. Okay, let us now move on to today's show. Hello, everyone. This is the second episode of Modern Enterprise Podcast. And uh, today I'll be talking with Jeff Susna. Uh, Jeff is a thought leader in the digital business space and he's the author of an awesome book. I think I got released a few months back, right? So an awesome book by name, Designing Delivery, published by O'Reilly. Am I right, Jeff? Yes, that's correct. Published by O'Reilly. It's a book about uh, how organizations should holistically look at IT and uh, prepare themselves for the on, uh, ongoing digital disruption that's happening based on the services economy. I strongly urge every IT leader to buy this book, learn from it, and apply your learnings inside your organization. I'll also buy a book for one of one podcast listener who makes a creative tweet about this episode. Talk about Jeff, talk about anything you want, but uh, make it creative so that uh, people get uh, interested in this uh, episode. So tweet about it with the hashtag modern enterprise and i'll pick one based on my own judgment i don't want any lawsuits coming here Uh, so let this be the disclaimer i will pick one creative tweet based on my own judgment and send them either the kindle version or the paperback version of uh, jeff's book it's a great book and uh, you should be uh, reading it now getting getting back to jeff he is also the founder of engineering.it i-n-g-i-n-e-r-i-n-g IT. It's a company that specializes in consultancy and training for organization to embrace the modern economy. Uh, I will let uh, Jeff uh, talk more about this company pretty soon. I invited Jeff to this podcast because I don't want this podcast to be just about technology and products that make up the modern enterprise stack. I want to talk about the cultural issues, philosophical issues, and other issues that impact how enterprises can uh, embrace uh, the newer digital disruption that's coming and uh, take advantage of some of the learnings from people like Jeff so that um, they they really benefit from it. Uh, The technology stack is one part of the story. The culture and other things are other part of the story. I think today's discussion with Jeff is going to uh, help us on the second part. Jeff, can you introduce yourself with a much better way than what I did and uh, talk about what your company is doing and also talk a little bit about your book? Then we can go into the questions for the podcast. Sure, happy to do so. And uh, first of all, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be talking with you today. 
So my company is an IT consulting organization, and I specialize in helping companies understand how to successfully leverage things like agile, DevOps, continuous delivery, cloud, et cetera. And, you know, in particular, we hear about a lot of things, but what do we actually do with them? How do we adapt them to our own organizations and how do we use them effectively? And my book is kind of a reflection of my own background. Uh, I've been in IT for 30 years now. Um, I've built systems. I've led organizations across the entire development, QA, and operations spectrum. But I've also been very influenced by design thinking, and I think a lot about how do we integrate that into IT? How do we actually design IT itself? And how do we turn IT into a creative, innovative force itself. And so the book is bringing together the ideas of 21st century IT and the ideas of design thinking and service design and exploring uh, how do we both design and operate digital organizations as a whole that are able to adapt to the marketplace and able to function in an agile and responsive way across the entire organization. Awesome. So before we dig in and discuss more deeply on your current interests, let us briefly touch on some of the buzzwords around modern enterprise. You already threw in some 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 words in terms of agile, DevOps, and all that. So let's discuss a little bit about it. And I want to get your point of view on what it is and how, how do you uh, think about it and how does it fit into the modern enterprise era. I don't want to talk about cloud here because it's 20, 2015 and we shouldn't be talking about cloud. Cloud is a simple issue. Everyone has made a convincing case that it's a canvas on top of which we are going to build a modern enterprise. So let's talk about other buzzwords like uh, DevOps related, related to IT culture, microservices related to application architecture. And uh, as a part of DevOps, you talked about uh, continuous de- delivery. Let's talk about these things. How does this fit in as we uh, go about embracing uh, the newest uh, stacks that are, that are coming in to help organization get into the modern enterprise era? Sure, and um, before we do that, we need to understand the nature of the business environment that's driving it so we can understand why we're really trying to do it and what we're really trying to accomplish. And so what's happening is we are living through a transition away from 250 years of industrialism to this new post-industrial economy. And you'll hear a lot these days about things like post-industrial IT, but what does that really mean? What really is it? And the key factors are, first of all, there's this transition from a focus on products to services as the economic driver. And this word service is one that we hear more and more, whether it's infrastructure as a service or microservice, um, but we need to understand what that means. And what it really means is a shift away from focusing on making things and selling them through transactions to delivering experiences and building responsive relationships with your customers. So the customer relationship is becoming very different. And in addition, companies are losing control over the environment they're trying to sell into. And so we can see that reflected in DevOps. What, and there's, unfortunately, yes, it's 2015, but there's still way too much confusion about what DevOps is. My view on it is it reflects the fact that when software becomes service, what we're providing our customers is both functionality and operability, that we are not just building an invoicing platform so they can invoice their customers through the cloud, but we also have to run it for them. And those two become inseparable. 
The second thing that I think is critical to understanding all of these buzzwords, whether it be DevOps or microservices or cloud or agile, is that we're not just talking about how to roll rocks downhill faster. Agile sometimes gets too focused on velocity. DevOps sometimes gets too focused on how do we push code to production faster and faster. The point is to be able to respond to our customers. So what we have to do is treat it as a complete loop. And to me, one of the biggest limitations in some of the current focus on DevOps is it's too focused on this kind of traditional product-oriented view of, well, how do we get stuff out? How do we get stuff out? How do we get stuff out? That's only half the equation. So when you talk about things like sharing and metrics um, and culture, it's really all about responsiveness and the ability to listen, which is as important as the ability to deliver. I agree. I think that's a very valid point. And uh... I do understand that uh, the the current uh, discussion around DevOps is more focused on taking uh, going from idea to code to production. Uh, but uh, how do you blend the listening part with the with the delivery part, especially in an in an enterprise setting where there is a disconnect between people who deliver and uh, the people who are on the field uh, talking to customers and uh, all that. So how do you sort of bring all this together? For me, DevOps is like not just about bringing dev- developers and operations together. It's about bringing the, the other important stakeholder business into, into the culture of collaboration and thereby find a way in which the pain point on the end user side is delivered effectively to both the developers and the operations people. So, uh, but the, this disconnect is still there. We do, I don't see this being done effectively. So what is your take on that? I think in a lot of cases, you're right. One of the first questions that I ask clients is, what is your attitude about your customer support people? And what do you think their role is? And do you listen to them? And what opportunities do you create for yourself to actually listening, listen to them and let them help drive what your product vision is? What should we do next? What should our product be? What should it do? There's absolutely priceless, real customer information there. And, you know, I've had, I've had people say to me, well, we started this thing where we had support people coming to our stand-ups or our planning sessions, but they just sat in the corner and it seemed like a waste of time, so we stopped. And my response is, they're not there to listen or they're not there just to listen. They're there to talk. So are you asking them to talk and are you listening to what they have to say? I think you hit the uh, nail exactly where you you should be like, uh, (laughs) you have to encourage them to talk. Creating a culture of collaboration also means getting the stakeholders to talk without any fear of um, pushback or or impacting their career in any way. So you need to create a culture across uh, multiple uh, stakeholders inside the organization and uh, uh, make the organization really DevOps. I agree with that. You talked about, you brought up the topic of services economy, like uh, which is what is your focus area right now. And your book is also about it, uh, d- designing services uh, delivery. Can you tell me what you mean by designing service delivery? And also put in context how it differs from the t- legacy thinking of product uh, products. Like uh, I, I, I would uh, like to call products, the products era, uh, legacy era compared to what we have today. So like, uh, if you can t- tell me the difference in that context and probably set a foundation for further discussion about what we are going to talk uh, later in the show, 
about uh, promise theory, uh, systems thinking, all that to solve this issue? Sure. So traditionally, um, we're used to designing things, right? It might be a website, it might be a chair, it might be a car. The thing about services is they involve experiences that unfold over time. So if you think about flying, the actual physical object of the airplane is a very small part of your experience. Your experience actually starts before you even buy a ticket, and it doesn't really end until you get to your hotel. Mm-hmm. Or if you think about the hotel itself, right, there's a whole journey that you take of reserving a room, showing up, getting checked in, staying in your room, using the Wi-Fi. Why is it that people get so frustrated when Wi-Fi doesn't work in a hotel? Because sleeping is only part of why they're there. They also need to do work or find a restaurant or what have you. So when we design for service, we start to think in a much larger context about what is the whole experience. And we can apply that to IT as well in in a very simple way. You will see a lot of companies that develop this nice new software service and they focus really strongly on how the service works. How does the functionality work? But how do I get onboarded? You know, if I think this thing is wonderful and I want to use it, I need to transition my systems, my data, my people, my processes. How do I do that? How do I even understand how the thing works? Um, How do I get help when I need it? If there are outages, how do I navigate those outages? Because when I use software as a service, I'm effectively outsourcing part of my IT organization. And I need some level of transparency into that IT organization. So when we design for service, we need to think about all of those things, not just about the software that somebody is going to use from day to day. I agree. Uh, I, I fully agree with that. Like uh, under that context, under, under that context of designing service for a more complete experience uh, and then uh, sort of extrapolating it to the IT side a little bit, mm-hmm. we are sort of like... Uh, building out complex systems complex systems is a, to- a topic that's of interest to both you and me so mm-hmm. we are we, we we are in the uh, in order to give the deliver that experience we are we are building up the infrastructure for that services experience for the lack of a better term uh, we, we are building out complex systems and complex systems based on commodity infrastructure uh, components is a recipe for failure from a traditional sense of view so the, the traditional sense of reliability and everything goes away in favor of resiliency. And how are we going to use or how are we going to uh, bring in better user experience as we move from reliable uh, world to a resilient world? Without uh, Whereas the common sense is, okay, when we move from reliability to resiliency, the user experience is going to suffer. But not only we have to stop it from suffering, but we also we also have to enhance it to give the kind of experience you're talking about. How do you see these things evolve? Like, uh, what is your take on it? Well, I think you're absolutely right that we're in a transition from largely complicated to largely complex systems. Complex systems, on the one hand, are very resilient. On the other hand, they're very prone to failure. And the mindset shift that we have to make is to stop trying to design failure or engineer failure out and instead engineer in the ability to survive and even flourish in its presence. And some of that is at the infrastructure level. It's, you know, things like cluster databases and, you know, traditional things we're used to of redundant data centers. And we can even talk about microservices, but it goes beyond that. It goes all the way to the UX level. 
I had a very interesting um, conversation in a workshop I was leading with a group where we were talking about designing for failure at the UX level. And we explored what happens if you're trying to reserve a hotel room and you go through this long process of picking out which kind of room you want. And then the database goes down. And people came up with these really creative solutions, like maybe you email the user a breadcrumb so when the systems back up, they can just follow the breadcrumb and get back to where they were and not have to redo all their work. The point of that is it's an example of a situation where you can't hide failure. You can't always hide it, right? You have resilience, you have redundancy, blah, blah, blah. You can't always hide it from the user, but you can still provide customer satisfaction. And one of the interesting things is you see this on Twitter all the time where somebody has a failure and they address the problem in a really graceful way. And what they get is positive feedback from their customer instead of negative feedback. And by being prepared to deal with this visible failure and handling it in a way that helps our customers, we can actually enhance our brand as opposed to degrading our brand. Yeah, uh, yeah. you're clearly linking IT services experience with the customer service experience. So, uh, if we, and, I, and I don't think I don't think you can separate them anymore. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they are one and the same right now. Like uh, that's the very idea behind uh, what the, the digital disruption you are talking about. Can, can you suggest some good practices, especially to organization uh, enterprises driven by modern thinking leaders, but their workforce may not be aligned with what they are thinking. Or in some cases, in some organization, the workforce might be like uh, very much aligned with the kind of ideas you're talking about, but the leaders may not get it. So can you suggest some good practices to ensure that the transition from the legacy product world, where customer satisfaction came as a second thought to the people who were actually delivering the product? or uh, creating the product uh, to a more uh, world, a more fluid world where the, uh, the IT service delivery and customer service are interlinked and closely uh, connected. So uh, are there any suggestions from you as a good practice which the organization can implement? Well, I think the main thing that I would say is, you know, there are a lot of good practices that are coming out. I mean, when you look at the whole list from, you know, agile DevOps, microservices, cloud design thinking, service design, it's all going in the right direction. I think I would say two things. One, which I've said before, is we need to look at them as ways to have conversations both internally and with our customers as opposed to just trying to push new things out. The second is, to some degree, we have to apply them to themselves. And what I mean by that is the process of adopting Agile or adopting DevOps or what have you is itself a path. And what you see too often is somebody says, you know, the CIO comes back and says, okay, we need to do Agile. We're going to do Scrum. Go make it happen. And people try it. And it doesn't happen exactly the way they expect and they declare it a failure. You know, in a sense, when we talk about dealing with complexity in new IT, we hear a lot of talk these days about, you know, the benefits of failure. And what we really mean by that is that we have to learn as we go. We can't plan everything in advance. We have to be able to respond and adapt to situations that are unexpected. And it's exactly the same way when we're trying to adopt a new mindset or or a new methodology. We're going to have to learn as we go, and we're going to have to be prepared 
to say, okay, what are we trying to accomplish? And in what ways is this thing not helping us to accomplish it? And how do we adjust it? And so everything we do, even the adoption of new ways of working, becomes a process of continual experimentation and learning. Okay. How does uh, the, the idea of promise theory fit into this uh, continuous experimentation and learning? I think uh, uh, I'm clearly seeing that on one side, like uh, you have to give a promise about delivery experience. On the other side, you have to uh, find a way to uh, satisfy them in spite of having failures. So uh, can you introduce promise theory here and do a connection to the discussion we just had? Sure. So promise theory is a model that Mark Burgess, um, who is a leading IT and system administrator, uh, administration uh, theorist, brought out. um, Founder of CF Engine. Founder of CF Engine. And it's a model for, for thinking about how to design and how to operate complex real-world socio-technical systems. It could be a data center, it could be an IT department, it could be an entire company. And it reflects the understanding, the, the magic is all in this word promise. And on the one hand, we make promises, we make voluntary commitments to provide service. I promise to help you in some fashion. If I'm a software as a service company and I'm operating an invoicing service, I'm promising to help you uh, get paid on time. So we make commitments that we are, are strongly incented to keep. The reason we use the word promise and the reason Mark used the word promise is that promises are not guarantees. Promises get broken sometimes. In order to keep my promise, I rely on other people's promises to me. It could be the promise of an Oracle database. It could be a promise of the IT department that says we promise to keep our systems up 100% of the time. So at the same time that I'm committed to helping my customer, I'm recognizing that the people and the systems I depend on may not be able to deliver on their promises. And the real point of the exercise is that it puts us in a mind frame of thinking about resiliency and thinking in a way that's more scalable and more flexible. And so we can ask ourselves questions like, what promise do I need to make to my customers? What do I do to make sure that I keep that promise? What do I do if the people and the systems I rely on don't keep theirs? So we start thinking about what is the service we're providing and what is liable to fail that might, if I don't deal with it, would prevent me from providing that service. And so, for example, in the the example I gave before about the hotel reservation system, right, I'm promising to help a customer reserve a room both flexibly and conveniently. The database might not keep its promise to me. What do I do? By thinking about that question, I can come up with a better solution that ironically is actually more robust than if I just said, well, we need to make sure the database never goes down. And so where that ties in is that we can think about our entire organization from top to bottom and front to back as a service provider that's making made up of a collection of people and systems and processes that are all making and sometimes keeping promises to each other. Okay. So like, uh, as I understand it, the promise theory is the kind of a mindset which we are, uh, the stakeholders of service delivery or stakeholders involved in the service delivery uh, make in order to make the experience, uh, customer experience better. So it's my understanding that you don't have to worry about the end user 
subscribing to this mindset it is just about you subscribing to the mindset and then use probably system thinking approach to sort of like uh, uh, make sure the customer experience is like a uh, positive overall positive and uh, sort of like uh, there is there is there is my understanding right like uh, am i going in the right direction with the well sort sort of on the one hand you're right that whoever you are wherever you are in the organization you make a promise to your customer and you rely on either explicit or implicit promises from the systems that you rely on but to some degree the reason this word promise is powerful is that we all understand what it means and we all do it so if you have booked a room in a hotel why are you staying in that hotel well maybe you're taking your kids on vacation and you've promised to show them a good time at disney world right or you're a business person and you've promised to close a big deal and make your quarterly numbers right you're staying in the hotel so you can go to a, a sales meeting and try and sell somebody something so we all make promises this that's the nature of the service world that we all live in it, it's funny you know when i when i talk to my teenage son about business and you know what happens when you succeed in business and i talk about people who've succeeded and they run companies and they still have shareholders and they make promises to their shareholders and it doesn't matter how successful they are they still are beholden to somebody so we all make promises to each other whether we think about it or not so i think that the real power of mark's concept is it reflects actually how reality works so we're re- we're aligning ourselves with how the world works in the 21st century okay i perfectly understand that but what i would love to hear from you is when the promise is broken Mm-hmm. And when that leads to a broken trust, whether it's about me taking my kid and uh, telling the kid that, hey, I'm taking you to Disney, but the room is not working out, or it is about the hotel relying on the service provider and uh, the the experience to me was not uh, good, or mm-hmm. it's about the service provider relying on the technology providers and the promise uh, could be broken there. Mm-hmm. So somewhere if the promise is broken, uh, we need to get uh, find a way to gain the regain the trust. and uh, though the experience may be suboptimal it shouldn't break the trust completely so what are the steps we could do and uh, one thing i could, one way i could think of uh, uh, solving that uh, dilemma is taking a more systems thinking approach to looking at the whole thing in a holistic way check out check out different options that are available and uh, try to innovate on how we can s- solve all those uh, pr- problem so wh- how do you think we can uh, make the experience good in spite of potential broken promises so that's a fantastic question i'm really happy that you asked it because one of the things that really excites me about promise theory is people seem to get to the meat of the matter almost immediately and that's exactly the right question to ask and so i think on one hand yes when we think about making promises we think about well what what is the promise i'm really making and the example i like to give is you show up at a hotel and the reservation system is working and the check-in clerk says well i can't help you because the reservation system is down well they've made the wrong promise what they promised you is i will translate the words that come out of your mouth into commands that the computer can understand instead of i will help you make the transition from traveling to rest mm-hmm. if they think at that larger level which i think is exactly what you're pointing to in your question about systems thinking it's possible that they can provide a good experience even if they can't check you into the room that 
that you signed up for. You know, when we talk about microservices being resilient to each other and using uh, circuit breaker patterns and things like that, we're talking about microservices being designed from the perspective of, well, what do I do if the systems I rely on aren't functioning? That's a new question that we didn't really used to ask. We used to say, I have a a tandem nonstop computer that won't go down for seven years at a time. And when it does go down, and I've seen them go down, people go, oh my God, we haven't seen one of these go down in seven years. We have no idea what to do. Mm -hmm. So to some degree, simply by asking a new kind of question, we push ourselves to come up with new kinds of answers. And yes, to understand that we can still provide customer satisfaction at any level from the microservice on up to the entire company, even when failure happens. Um, which is a, a new way of thinking about the world, and it's really the reality in the 21st century and the reality in the digital business. Okay. So uh, you also talk about a few other things in your uh, book. So do you, do you want to add anything uh, to what we have discussed? And uh, do you want to even talk a little bit about systems thinking and how it transforms how we do computing today because systems thinking has been there to solve problems from physics, which uh, I was using it when I was doing uh, physics, uh, PhD in theoretical physics to biology to uh, distributed computing. So you, I, I, I look, uh, you, in your book, you also talk a little bit about it. Like uh, in what context does it fit in and can you explain a little bit about it? Sure. I think everything you and I have been talking about today has been about systems thinking which to put it very simplistically is is really the idea that the relationships between things are as important as if not more important than the things themselves and even if you look at devops and you look at the very name devops what it's saying is that the relationship between dev and ops is as important as either one and so everything i've said everything we've talked about is is systems thinking and in addition to this idea of focusing on relationships there are two other things you need to understand about systems thinking that are are really important and really relevant to digital business the first is that to some degree where you draw the boundaries of the system is somewhat arbitrary right you can always make it a little smaller you can always make it a little bigger and what that means is that whatever we design and whatever we try and solve is based on our perspective. And so we always have to understand that we can't sort of guarantee that we have the right view of the world. So we have to have a certain amount of humility and and willingness to adapt our view. The other thing is that all of these things, feedback loops and, and, you know, DevOps flow and feedback models and systems thinking start to point us away from linear causality to circular causality, um, which is is a very hard, concept for us Westerners with our platonic, you know, ideal forms at the top kind of model of the world. But it solves a lot of problems, right? So if you ask, well, what what comes first in DevOps, culture or tools? Well, both. Both. Um, You know, how do you propagate change? Do you do it from the bottom up or do you do it from the top down? Well, the answer is yes. And so when we allow ourselves to think in terms of cycles and relationships, we can actually get ourselves unstuck from a lot of problems that we think that we have. Okay, I think uh, you na- nailed it there. Like, uh, yeah. so how, how how does it uh, sort of like? Uh, I think uh, the way I look at it, like uh, what we are, what you uh, talked in the past twenty or thirty minutes is about bringing the systems thinking approach and uh, using 
using it with design thinking kind of a model uh, to solve today's problem. So it's my understanding, right, in terms of trying to connect seem these two seemingly disparate uh, ideas, but sort of like, uh, or uh, I'm, I'm talking nonsense here. No, I think you're spot on. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm still trying to see, I, I, I'm more on the, I'm more of a tools kind of a person who mm-hmm. can talk for us, but uh, trying to understand the cultural, cultural and philosophical part a little bit these days. So I think uh, your conversation is helping me more than uh, anybody else. So <laughs> is there anything else you want to add in this context before we sort of wind down our uh, podcast? I think this has been uh, really useful in giving a big picture of what IT leaders should be looking at or even every individual stakeholder should be looking at. So uh, is there anything you want to add in terms of how do we translate into real world actions or anything else? You uh, Feel free to uh, put it here. I think the only thing I would say is that, you know, as the environment we're working in, both within IT and within digital business as a whole, becomes less and less under our control. You know, we live in the era of disruption where companies are competing more and more by changing the rules of the game. Um, The question becomes, how do we control our own destiny when we can't control the world around us? Um, And so we have to have have the ability to kind of learn how to surf complexity rather than trying to rid it. And so everything that I've been talking about in both systems thinking and design thinking are all about understanding where is our world going, how is it changing, and how do we continually adapt to that change? So I think that's really all I'd add. Yeah, I think uh, this sort of, uh, with this, you also answered one of the questions asked by Rich, who follows both of us on Twitter and uh, who engages with this regularly on Twitter. And uh, Rich, I hope you got the answer for uh, your question on going from mode one to mode two. I think this sort of captures it. Uh, Thanks, folks, for listening to this podcast. I really want to thank Jeff for taking his time from his busy schedule and uh, engage in such a great conversation. I strongly urge you to buy Jeff's book, Designing Delivery. Independent of your role in your organization, you could be the IT leader or you could be the last guy moving uh, uh, the components needed for uh, your IT. But uh, understanding uh, what Jeff says in this book is going to help you and your organization. And if you are in Seattle, Jeff was giving a talk at CenturyLink Cloud Offices at Bellevue on November 4th. And I'll let Jeff talk a little bit about it. And please attend this talk and you'll learn a lot from Jeff. Jeff, can you tell me about the talk you're going to give? Sure. It's a talk that's uh, more about how design thinking and DevOps work together um, and what happens when you unify them and what happens when you start to think about design and operations as an integrated loop as opposed to two distinct, unrelated things. Awesome. Great. I'm looking forward to seeing at least some of my listeners over there, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you there, Jeff, and uh, thank you very much. That'll be a pleasure, and uh, thanks for having me. It's been great.